Welcome to the Wizards of EdTech podcast, a forum devoted to all things EdTech as experienced by technology teachers and a school librarian. Hear about our different journeys, triumphs, and tribulations as we guide our students and teachers through the wonderful world of educational technology. Welcome to episode one of the Wizards of EdTech podcast. I am Margo Calemo, and I'm here with my colleagues, Lauren McGuire and Mike Davola, and we'd love to talk about some trends that we're seeing in educational technology this week. So how's everybody's week going so far? So it was a pretty busy week, um, considering I thought we were getting, whenever I feel like we're getting on good footing, there's always some other things that come out, some new um, initiatives or new um, requirements and things like that. And, and then teachers start to get comfortable with certain things, and then they start to tackle something new. Um, so I feel like it, got, it was much busier than I anticipated it would be. Um, I feel like some of the things that I saw trending this week were definitely student engagement, which is an important piece now that we're going into next week, unfortunately, week seven of all this. Um, So I want to take a look at that. And I know we're looking at our ed camp next week to be uh, focused kind of on engagement, engaging the students. Um, I like that today we're going to try to focus on a little fun because I think we haven't taken a moment for fun. With all of this, we've all been so um, really working to just provide PD that was supportive. And I think now we have to get to a point of let's deal with teachers' social and emotional needs as well as the students. I think that was another big push for this week. Um, Yeah, I agree. What do you guys think? No, I totally agree. Um, I was probably talking to you guys about this the other day where a lot of the students right now, are working really hard on getting their assignments, but some of them, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of distractions in the world, whether that's their family, whether that's video games, whether that's mm-hmm. just Netflix, like a lot of us watching Netflix all the time, if, if, whenever we can. Um, it It's hard to balance everything mm-hmm. when you are in an online and digital world. Um, yeah. it, that's, that's the interesting part. And we kind of feel like we have to make it fun we should make it fun for ourselves and for our students so that they can want to go into class and want to do the assignment and see what's co- coming up from our teachers. I think that's the, that's the thing we have to think about. As so as, go on. as we're recording this, it's, you know, April 24th, we're right in the midst of COVID-19. We're in New York. And like Lauren said, it's been seven weeks of this. So how are we going to engage our students? Because we even had um, one of our other technology teachers, we were speaking with her yesterday, and she said, I, um, like, I have my kids now, they're working, they're doing their own schoolwork from home, they have to compete with Fortnite, you know, and right, how right. are we making this so that kids want to show up today? I was on a Google Meet with two math teachers, Mike, you were there with me, yeah. and they said they have some students that, you know, they're, they're seniors in high school, they don't, um, they don't show up. And they've tried pushing the time later. And so how are we making them want to show up? And I think it goes back to what Lauren said about engagement. So what types of tips and tools can we throw out there to help teachers now that we've unfortunately gotten, you know, been in a groove and gotten the hang of this and Mm -hmm. posting to Google Classroom and Seesaw, how can we make it now about more than just posting or even more about just doing live video chats with them? What tools can we use to engage them? Yeah, we've seen some great examples, too, of some teachers that 
have done really engaging videos um, for their mm-hmm. kids to kind of um, at the high school level, we were looking at some um, super like amazing examples of that. And it, I think that's also a hard thing because teachers are still struggling with um, balancing all of the work that they need to now create. They're not comfortable with the platforms or they're just starting to get comfortable with the platforms. They're just starting to get comfortable with the tools they need to create the content. And I think that is also a big shift overall of like where we have always been just consumers of content all along. Yeah. And, and as teachers, even like we've been more consumers and creators and now we're making that shift to they're doing content creation. And so I'm seeing that huge shift as well. But now starting to get comfortable with those tools of like we've been doing a lot lately on Google Meet, on screencasting, um, the Flipgrids, things where they're creating some kind of content. And now I feel like we have to build that fluency with them on creating the content as well. So I think it's so many, like, as much as we start getting real comfortable with one thing, it's like then something else comes onto it. And I I don't even think we thought about the fact that we were going to be creating content. We were just like, well, what do we do to keep them current and to kind of eliminate the slide of learning? Um, And now we've shifted to become, you know, content creators. I think that's a big piece of this too, is like when you're doing that, who teaches you how to do that? Like who teaches you, you can create content, but who teaches you to be engaging when you create content? Yeah. You know, like we, we see for some people, it's kind of inherent that that's what they do. Um, yeah. But it's not for everybody. You know, it's, it's um, we always go back to this idea of like being comfortable on camera and it doesn't necessarily need to be on camera, but just that whole idea. Does that make sense? Totally. I think that's, that's the thing that, uh, is the tough balance it's, it's between getting people comfortable with the technology. And then we already have teachers that are, have a great relationships with their students. Right. I think that's important to talk about too, is that they already have these relationships with their students where they feel connected. And how can we make that come out in an online world that we're in right now? So that's one, a great point. One of the, I mean, this is unrelated, but more of a techie thing, an app that I, I've suggested to a lot of the teachers that just got started, like don't know a lot about video making yet, is using Apple Clips if they have an iPhone, because it's just right there. It's just a simple app that you can download. And it has an emojis, which are like the, the emojis that go on your face. So one of the teachers in fourth grade is reading the book, The Wild Robot, and when she was reading the book, she wanted to put her face on the there, but I also showed her that you can be a robot. So I made her turn her face into the robot. She figured that out on her own and she read it in like a jungle background because you could do that on certain iPhones, which is really cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. You actually, you touch on like two really good points there. Um, like two things that I'm thinking of. Like first, I'm really, I'm super excited as a librarian that so many publishers have eased their restrictions in their, you know, sharing of material there. It is pretty intricate from as you move to different publishing companies and school library journal did a whole piece on this about what the requirements are. You can't just live stream something on YouTube, but really behind the teach act and putting a book out there like that in a creative fun way to engage students is allowed if it's behind a, 
a password, a strong password and having um, the, you know, just stating, making sure that you have the permission from the publisher and stating that. But then beyond that too, it doesn't have to be perfect either. Like I was on a call last night, uh, a Google meet and my son came, he's four, came running into the room. If that happens with your kids, like it's almost like that's great. They want to see that aspect of your life. I think we have a lot of teachers that are so such great teachers and they know what they're doing in the classroom. And now we threw them into this scenario and they're so worried that it has everything has to be 100% perfect. And it doesn't. I think a little bit of that chaos is, is a great thing. I couldn't agree more. And I think just them getting to see you and Mike, going back to what you were talking about with the, having that personal relationship, we do have that. We're lucky here in the district that we have so many people who have just cult, like cultivated these great relationships with their students. So having that idea of letting them see the more personal level, I think we've always just been so private about it. And I always used to laugh if I would see kids out in like in town and, you know, you'd be at the market and you'd see them and they were, had this like shocked look on your face. Like, wait, you go shopping. You're really <laughs> they had no, you know, like you're a human too. And, and you do the same things we do or, uh, sometimes I would attend their soccer games or something like that. And they'd be so amazed and loved that idea that I was just like their parents or I was just, you know, shopping in the store or they saw me here, or they saw me there. So I think you're right, Margo, just make that actually helps to bridge that. What Mike was saying, that, that relationship that we have with them in the classroom, it kind of helps to bring it if they see your family pictures, if your kid's running onto the screen, if my dog's barking like all the time. They love that. They love to, it gives it just the more personal touch. So I agree. I think that's all such an important thing. Um, something I had, and I think the thing that with, with so many of the teachers right now is some of them have really felt comfortable embracing some of this technology or they were kind of, everybody started at a different starting point also. Um, and some people kind of ran in one direction with it. Um, and others were are just kind of struggling with making that transition of how do I do all these great things I did in my classroom. Um, and I think that's really what's stressing so many people out is wrapping their brain around how to transition still and how to really carve out that time of the day with all everything else going on in your household while you're trying to work. And um, I think it's important for us. It's been important for us as the tech team because we were really working 24 hours a day at some points in the beginning there was to kind of set that structure of and making that, you know, communicating that idea of these are my, this is when I'm available and this is when I have to not be available. And, you know, I think as teachers, we want to be available for our students all the time. We want to be available for the parents all the time. And I think it becomes important to kind of set parameters of, all right, do you, you should expect an email back by such and such time or, after this time of day, I won't be checking my email again or, you know, expecting a response sometime tomorrow or really, I think just starting to be okay with that, that, you know, nothing, none of this is kind of life or death stuff, right? And, and communicating that to our parents and our students of this is not tragic if we can't submit the assignment. It's okay. Let's move on. We'll look at it tomorrow. You know, and I think that's an important communication piece that I think teachers have to have with the families and the students. Um, and we also have to, in our own brains, kind of frame out. Because um, that's what I really keep hearing from teachers, how overwhelmed they are with the whole juggling act. Yeah. 
and I mean, and students and parents too, because almost everybody yeah. is working from home right now. So the parents mm-hmm. are juggling, the students are juggling, and it was really great that uh, Judith, she's another member of our tech team that's not here today, that she shared, I love that she shared that Google form to be able to do like a mental health check-in with your students yeah. and even have a conversation about it to say like, hey, you know, I'm your teacher. This is hard for me too. Like yeah. I, I'm try- still trying to figure this all out. We're seven weeks in, but I don't have it down pat right now, you right. know? Right. I think it's okay to be like honest with your students. So you can just say, hey, this is brand new to me. And I think that's kind of interesting for a kid knowing that, oh, maybe the teacher seems like they know everything, but this is something that usually kids are more familiar with technology using the internet and using stuff that a teacher doesn't always use. And being humble and understanding that I don't know everything in the world about technology and I don't know how to do this and that's okay. I'll figure it out eventually or I'll try it. Let's see what happens. And we kind of go forward through that. I think that's something that we have to keep saying to our students and to ourselves. Right. Uh, and uh, just to speak to one of those points you just brought up, I saw something, I think it was on Twitter. It was, um, somebody mentioned the idea that we call this, these gener- this generation kind of digital natives, but digital natives doesn't equal digital fluency. True. So in some of the things there, you know, we, we, there was also like a funny one. Oh, uh, my kids can do all this on Snapchat and Minecraft and, you know, Xbox and stuff, but they can't submit a, an assignment to Google Classroom. And I think that's what we have to forget. Just because you're fluent in one area doesn't mean you're fluent in all areas of technology. And so it's still that modeling process sometimes of, of saying, okay, well, just submit it. They'll figure it out. They know more than me. Maybe that's true in some areas, but not necessarily true in this new format that we're taking or this new platform that we're using. So I think kind of keeping that in the back of your mind. Yeah, they're more likely to click around and try to figure it out um, sometimes. But, you know, keeping that idea in the back of our head, we still have to kind of give them the steps to be successful still, like we used to. Yeah, you have a point about that. <laughs> and model, too, that sometimes yeah. it doesn't always work for us, you know? Like, it's it's okay if you try to you try to flip grade like how many teachers have been experimenting with it right now? And maybe it wasn't perfect the first time around, but we're just... I think our goal right now, as we've moved away from, okay, teachers are have mastered pushing out assignments on Google Classroom and they're getting better with Seesaw. Now we're moving towards, like we said, engagement and it's really playing around with these different tools. Um, a special education teacher just forwarded to me this morning, her son's middle school made a flip grid, just what's your favorite snack? And it was all the students and the teachers on one grid just talking about something silly and fun like that. That's, you know, total engagement that we don't want to just be feeding them work. We also want to be sending them things that kind of make them smile and laugh and remember how it, because it wasn't always work in the classroom either. You're right. Might have a discussion that went off on a tangent or, you know, start off after a a holiday or a break, giving your students that time. So how do we work that into remote learning? Right. I think Good that point. Flipgrid like, is totally a great spot for teachers and students to go back and look back at these memories. It's like a time capsule. You can say, oh, look at all this stuff back, hopefully, when we did this online learning. Yeah. <laughs> and all these memories I have, it's all saved on Flipgrid, and I can save it to my phone. And I can see what the other students are doing. I think using Flipgrid as a tool is such a great spot 
for people to express themselves and kind of be like a family journal of this process. That's a great idea. I didn't even think of it like that. We'll reflect back on that. It'll be a fun thing. Kind of like I love going back through the archives of the the work my kids did, you know, so many years ago. I think that's a great one. Um, so other things that we're noticing, Marco, you were, we were talking about this. We've been having kind of our own little competition within our world here of, uh, Bitmojis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I know we want to talk about that and showcase that a little bit this afternoon at fun Friday, but, um, what are you seeing with that? Oh, it's we were just talking about that. all over future ready librarians. It's every, I mean, it just <laughs> every exploded. It is. Yeah. And everybody's excited because I think they, when they go into their Google Classroom, they want to make it more welcoming for their students. I know right. it could be a great header on your Google Sites, but if you are using Google Classroom, everybody's <laughs> really ticked off right now that it's grayed out and it doesn't yes. have those bright, vibrant colors. And, you know, yeah. people have been like spamming Google support to say, you got to fix this. I was trying to work on editing the code and it took way too long and I got like halfway there. I couldn't get any further, but it's no, there's no way I can edit that. <laughs> but that just shows you that people are ready for something a little fun. Yes. You yeah. know, that to me, like, that's the indicator there that people are more frustrated with the fact that it's grayed out on their classroom banner. And I love the idea that people, once they saw it, they were like, this is great. This is a connection I can make. This is something fun I could do. It's a little geeky and fun and we love it. I mean, I've been making little rooms all over the place. Um, and think about it, too, how it's like a, an insight in, more into your teacher's life. So, Lauren, yep. you put your travel things in there. Yep. Like, for me, I want to add my yep. yoga, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's another glimpse into um, your teacher's life, which is so exciting for our students, whether they're kindergarten or high school. Right. So it solidifies, in a way, that personal relationship. It kind of, um, you're right, it builds that bridge into it. I love that idea. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about this afternoon bitmojis and mike i want you to talk a little bit maybe about this afternoon showing people how to insert emojis into some of the text they're doing i know you do that a lot and oh, yeah. when you're training teachers on google classroom that there's some keyboard shortcuts to oh, yeah. add emojis into your type yeah. you know what you're typing in google classroom and stuff like yeah. that i can quickly say it right now it takes 10 seconds i'll tell i guess. go for it um adding emojis adding so like emojis. that's how our kids are fluent right they're texting all the time they recognize the emojis. I mean, that's like almost a language now. Yeah, it really is. Um, so for Windows, it's the Windows button. And I think, oh man, now I'm, now I'm stuck. Uh, now you're on the spot. I'm on the spot and I have to like quickly pretend like I'm talking. Uh, and I'm also typing it into Google. On, gotcha. um, on Mac, it's Control, Command, and the space bar. Space bar, right. And then for it's Windows, for Windows, it's Windows key. And the semicolon, or the huh. yeah, and that opens up the emoji panel. And then for Chromebook, it's actually just an extension that you can get an emoji keyboard. So those are the, that's the way to do it. And that's just, really cool because so many of our teachers have Chromebooks. You know, that's they really, do. Yeah, they're working most on of them are home. working on from home. Mm -hmm. So if you want more information about some of these fun tools, you should tune in to our two o'clock. Fun Friday today, the, those of you who are Garden City teachers, and we will be talking a little bit more about the Bitmojis and how you can create headers for your Google Classroom. Michael show a little bit maybe about the emoji thing. Maybe you can just share that out today. We'll share with you some other fun tips we have for 
engaging students and jazzing up your Google Classrooms and Seesaws a little bit. Um, and I also want to remind you that we have EdCamp next Wednesday, um, the 29th. We're looking for people to share some of the amazing things that you're doing. And we know they're amazing. We've been in your classroom. We've seen what you're doing. We're asking for you to just share that out. It doesn't have to be formal. Take a look at this morning's email for some details. We have a lot of openings available. And we would love for you to just share with your colleagues because we really feel like, you know, you learn best from somebody who's doing it. We do it, but we do it in a different kind of manner. You're doing it kind of on demand. You have to be doing this now. So I think it's easier for you to talk a little bit about how, what works and what doesn't work because you're actually doing use with your students. So that's it for, I think, our first episode. So that's Sounds great. Good? We hope you got so, some good tips today. And yeah, and we'll, we're hoping to do this weekly. Yep. Tune in in the future. We'll do some app smackdowns. We'll talk about yeah. some, you know, what's trending, what we really like, what we're seeing, problems, t tips, tools, tactics. We're here for you. Sounds All good. Right. Thanks, everybody. Tune Thank in. you. See you, next, see you week. next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Wizards of EdTech podcast. We hope you have a magical, happy day, and we'll see you next week.